We'll begin with verse 10 and we'll see how far we can go tonight. There's nothing wrong with reading these letters of Scripture as personal to you. Take them personally. Take them to your heart. Read them. Let them, let the words and the truth roll over your soul and wash your soul. I think first Peter, I think this is this letter is as applicable to where believers find themselves in this day as anything else in the scripture, anything else we could read. We need, uh, we need support. We need, uh, we need that plumb line of the word of God to, to bring the standard clear, clearly to our minds because there's so much out here in the worldly world that we live in that is distorted and twisted. Um, things that are ungodly. And we need the plumb line to keep that standard clear in our minds. And we have it right here in First Peter's wonderful because he's writing to people who are residing as aliens, verse 1. Aliens, they're scattered. They've been scattered, they've been uprooted because of a hostile world. We don't know the exact circumstances, but it's not too far-fetched to think that they possibly lost their livelihood. They're dealing with tensions in the community. They've become Christians. They're... They're not, they're not accepted, they're, they're perhaps kicked out of families, they're given the cold shoulder, they're held at arm's length. They're no longer home folk, they're aliens, they're scattered, and there's the scattering, and it's a significant scattering, they're Pontus, Galatia, that's... A wide area, Cappadocia, Asia. I mean, Asia is a wide area. Bithynia. These people are scattered. They're, they're, they have uh, endured some kind of upheaval in their lives. And Peter recognizes that at the very outset of the, of the letter. He identifies himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ. And he is writing as an apostle. And based on his apostleship and the authenticity of this letter, uh, his writings, the first, first and second letter written by Peter, are included in the canon of Scripture, which 
includes the Word of God, all 66 books of the Bible, God breathed. So we'll read verses 10 and we'll read on down to verse 21. 10 through 21, I doubt we'll get that far, but we'll look for nourishment tonight uh, from the Word of God. Verse 10, as to this salvation. The prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. In these things which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Therefore... Prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children... Do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be yourselves, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy. For I am holy. If you address as Father the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life, inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood, as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. The word of the Lord. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. It is infallible. It is inerrant. And the fact that we possess a copy of your word means that 
You are a living and speaking God. You are the one true God who speaks truth to his children. So we give you thanks. We recognize that you are creator of all that we see and can't see. And that you said, Lord, that your creation is good. And we uh, recognize that and we recognize uh, your interest in the salvation that you have brought to us and your interest in our spiritual growth. For that is why we have your word. So, Lord, help us to be nourished on your word tonight. Help us to grow thereby. Do a work, Lord, in each life, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So, verse 10, he says, as to this salvation. So, the salvation he's talking about is addressed in the first few verses of chapter 1. So, if you look there in verse, the latter part of verse 1, he begins to describe those who are residing as aliens, those people who have been scattered because of tensions in society, in the communities that they lived, and they've been scattered, they've been uprooted. And he says, while you may feel a little undone, you were chosen. Now, you can imagine these folks are... Uh, they're feeling left out. They're on their own now. They're not in their community that they're familiar with. But Peter says, nevertheless, you are chosen. There it is. And then he says, according to what? The foreknowledge of God, the Father. So he's saying, God knows you God knows your circumstances. In fact, God has known you. God knew about your circumstances. There's no surprise with God. And the Lord has chosen you. You are one of his. So never, never let your circumstance speak to you about who you belong to. We're the Lord's. We stand for him. We love him. We follow Jesus. It matters not what the men and women of the world think of us. What matters is what God has done. And what God has done, he has done from before time. He chose us. And all this according to his foreknowledge. The foreknowledge of God the Father and then by the sanctifying work of the Spirit. So there's a, there is a current and present work of the Spirit of God in our sanctification. Jesus talked about the work of the Spirit. He said the Spirit will teach you all things. And we know that we go to the Word of God and we, we ask the Lord to show us and we ask Him to to speak to us from his word. Well, that's a work of the spirit. It's a work of the word. And that all of that leads to what we would call sanctification 
increasing sanctification. We grow day by day in the knowledge, the grace and the knowledge of the Lord. And so this sanctifying work of the spirit, and this is to the obedience of Jesus Christ. So we are, we are his children and he's teaching us to obey. That's important. There are some folks that have this notion that folks receive Jesus and then they just live like they want to live. I don't know where they got that notion. They can get it from the Bible. That's not the life that is described in the Gospels. It's not the life described in any of the letters. It's a life of, yes, grace to us, grace upon grace that God has lavished on us through Jesus and we receive Jesus. But that's just the beginning of the work. Salvation is the the starting point. But sanctification is that ongoing work of God in our lives to bring about Christ-likeness. And when we talk about Christ-likeness, we're talking about obedience to Jesus Christ. He says to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be yours, what, in the fullest measure. And he goes on to describe this salvation. Look in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ to according to his what? His great mercy. Now that word mercy, that's what led me to Psalm 136. If you'll remember on Wednesday night, we, we began the service there with Psalm 136. The loving kindness of the Lord or the mercy of the Lord is everlasting. It's great mercy. And it's all through that wonderful psalm. But this is, this is the gift from the Father, His own Son, Jesus. And this is out of His great mercy. And, and in that mercy of God, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This life we live is a new life and it begins with a new birth. And that birth is evident as we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And as a result of that new life, that new birth, we have a new perspective. We have a new We have a new textbook that we go by, right? It's truth from Genesis to Revelation. We have a new family. We have a spiritual family. We have brothers and sisters in Christ. All things are new. It's a new life and we're oriented in this new life around Christ and the things that would magnify him and please him and glorify him. And that is, that is the thrust of our lives to live in such a way as to magnify Christ and glorify the father. So that is the essence there of this salvation that Peter's talking about in verse 10, 
And it's out of this great mercy and it's this new life being born again to a living hope. We have a living hope. I trust tonight that, uh, that you have a living hope, that you've not called it quits. That you're looking forward to something. In fact, we can be more specific than that. We're looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. We're looking for the consummate reign of Christ. We're looking for a time that'll be unlike anything that we have ever experienced. A time when the rulers of this age and the rulers of this world are no more. They have no more influence. We're looking for a a time when God is glorified by his saints. There's no sin. There's no, no hurt, no sickness, no disease, no death. We're looking forward to that time. That's our living hope. And that comes through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead because our resurrected Lord Jesus one day will raise us. We will be raised not only to new life spiritually, but one day we will experience a resurrection of the body. In fact, Paul preached it. He said one day there's going to be a resurrection of the just and the unjust. So the unjust get a resurrected body as well. They just don't live in eternity where the righteous live. They're separated from God for all eternity. So Peter goes on. He says, that's not the end of it. This is our living hope to obtain an inheritance. And that inheritance is imperishable. Time doesn't affect it. It's still as good and it's still as robust Today, as, as it ever will be, and it, when we see it one day, whatever that inheritance is, there it is, unfaded by time. It's undefiled. That means sin can't touch it. It will not fade away. It's reserved in heaven for you. It's a living hope. We say, what did I ever do to deserve an inheritance? Well, what did we ever do to deserve salvation? What did we ever do to deserve the forgiveness of sin? What did we ever do to deserve the seal of the Holy Spirit on our lives? What did we ever do to deserve the scriptures? What did we ever do to deserve the attention of the Lord Jesus and his death on the cross? Well, zero. We didn't do anything to deserve that. And we didn't do anything to deserve the inheritance, but it is ours. It is reserved in heaven. That's what he says right there. These are, this is unequivocal. This is uh, plain. It is reserved in heaven for you. And for now, he says, you are protected by the power of God. You just let those words sink in. We pray for God's protection. Peter says, that's real. That's a real thing. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but every now and then I do think back. And I wonder how I got this far. I mean, I see some of you going, yeah, and we could tell stories. Like, it didn't have to turn out this way, but it did. He didn't have to let me live, but he did. 
Well, how do you explain it? Right there in verse 5, we're protected by the power of God. For what? Well, through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. I love the fact that our salvation is is past, (laughs) present, and future. It's all about being saved, being saved from self, being saved from sin, being saved from hell and separation from God. It's about being saved. And he saves us. And this salvation is good. It's good the moment we receive Jesus, if you want to look at it in that time frame. I mean, we could go back to before the foundation of the world when we were chosen. But we were saved and we are being saved. And one day we will be saved and Christ himself will bring that salvation to fruition in our lives. In this, you greatly rejoice. If you see me smile, that's a greatly rejoice, okay? That's, what you're, that's all you're going to get from me. I may or may not show my teeth, but I am happy, okay? I'm rejoicing. I am really, really rejoicing uh, that God has saved me. And I trust that you are rejoicing that your salvation, that salvation, past, present, future, is true. I mean, that future salvation that we look forward to at the revelation of Jesus is uh, so real that you are already a possessor of it. We have salvation and we rejoice in that salvation. We, re- we sing the songs. Uh, I really like the ones we sang tonight. I, I love the hymns. We sing the songs. Why do we sing songs? To express our joy Uh, These songs bring to mind what God has done and how great and good he is to us. And we lift our voices to rejoice in him. And then he brings the reality. And I love the fact that these Bible writers speak truth. I like they don't gloss over. You know, have have you ever met people who are unreal? They just want to make everything sound like, you know, every day's the best day. I can't keep up with that. Um, but notice what he says. In this, you greatly rejoice. You rejoice in this salvation that he's given you, even though, even though, <laughs> even though now for a little while, if necessary, you, you have been distressed by various trials. What's hurting your heart tonight? What's hurting your heart? There are trials that hurt our hearts. There are trials that hurt our bodies. There are trials. But these trials in our lives do not surprise God, and they should not surprise us. Peter later on says, Do not be surprised by the fiery ordeal among you, as if some strange thing were happening to you. These things aren't strange to us. We deal with them as they come. We depend on God's grace and mercy. And he takes care of us by his power. So that the proof of your faith, and that's, that's what builds endurance, these trials. The proof of your faith. I mean, you go back and read the parable of the soils. There are some people that look like they received the seed of the word, but the trials 
knocked them right out. They weren't genuinely saved. They looked like they were, but it was false. The trials revealed what was there. Well, what was there? Nothing. Genuine faith will grow stronger through trials. We could have testimony time. We could be here all night. As I know, there are many in this room that have walked through some deep water. But I want you to know tonight, I want you to be encouraged that your faith has grown stronger through trials. And I want you to know he's not through yet. He's not through. Being more, well, look at this. So the proof of your faith is more precious than gold. <laughs> really? <laughs> I didn't know it was, I didn't know it was, it was like that, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter is looking toward the revelation of Jesus Christ. His appearing. And then who we are at that time, which should be people full of faith, people who have endured trials. And then he says this, I, it's beautiful. And though you've not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy, inexpressible and full of glory. And I read those words and I think we rejoice as, I mean, we may as well be looking at him face to face. Because that's the way it's going to be one day when we see him face to face. Great joy, joy, inexpressible and full of glory. Peter says that's for the here and now. Because even though you don't see him, you experience the fullness of what he has accomplished for you. Which is this salvation. He says the prophets, we're down in verse 10 now. We're, we're moving really rapidly. Oh boy. The prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries. So he's talking about the, the ancient prophecies. The Old Testament and the Gospels. He says, seeking to know what person or time the spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. And look at this. It was revealed to them. And I'm thinking, yep, he revealed a lot to the prophets. What did he reveal? It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you in these things. What in prophesying the Messiah and that he would come and what he would do and accomplish when he arrived on the planet. And these old prophets, they were serving us. When we read Isaiah, we have to think Isaiah was serving. He wasn't serving himself. He was serving us. He was serving those who would read and those who would make that connection between what he wrote and Jesus and his arrival. In these things which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things into which angels long to look. And this is where I wanted to go. This is the high point and we're going to close with this. But this is, this is where we wanted to go. Therefore, given all that we have in Christ, all that he's done, the salvation that we have, the new birth. Prepare your minds for action. Prepare your minds for action. Prepare 
to be on the move, to prepare to be active in Christ's plan for your life. We're not going to go into neutral. That's the thing. I know, Listen, folks. I know folks that just, you know, they, well, I get to this age and I'm going to, listen, prepare your minds for action. There, that's what Peter said. Prepare your minds for action. That means that God has something for us to do. That means God has something for you to do. So prepare your mind for action. God didn't do, God the Father didn't choose you according to his foreknowledge and Christ didn't come all the way down from heaven to earth to die on a cross, the suffering, the death, the shedding his blood and rising from the dead and all that he did, all that's involved in his glorification and that work. He didn't come all the way down to do that so that we would go into idle, that we would sputter. And stop moving forward. I want you to hear that tonight if you have to highlight it. And I don't know why I haven't highlighted that first part of verse 13. I, I want you to take this very personally tonight and prepare your minds for action. God has something for you to do. And while you're doing that, stay sober. I'm not going to preach on alcoholism or drug addiction tonight, but stay sober. Don't get caught up in all the goofy stuff that's out there. I could say it this way. Stay off of TikTok. I mean, I used, I mean, TikTok used to mean something totally different, but I mean, just stay sober. Don't, you know, don't get your nourishment from the news. Open the book. Get your nourishment from here. Stay sober. Stay sober. And then fix your hope, your hope. Now, listen, this is, this may sound a little bit harder than it strikes you at first, but listen to this. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you personally at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Well, I'm sorry, Peter, but I was hoping for this to happen before that. And I was hoping for that to happen before that. And I was hoping that life would get a little better over here before the revelation of Jesus. But that's not what Peter says. He says, fix your hope as you prepare your minds for action. Fix your hope on... The finish line, which is really the starting line to eternity. You know what I mean. To be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Prepare your minds for action. Keep sober. Stay sober. Fix your hope on Jesus and the revelation of Jesus. And then as obedient children, you know, we're not to be slouches, uh, as obedient children, we're to be obedient children to our God, the father, as the world gets worldlier and all that stay obedient and do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance, your past life before your new birth. Don't go back there. 
But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in all your behavior. You're set apart. You're God's child. Do God's bidding. Glorify Him in your obedience because it is written, and he quotes the scripture, You shall be holy for I am holy. Praise be. And then he goes in and and he, he establishes again the fact that salvation is the reason for the holy life. For that which he describes in verses 13 through 16. It's salvation. It's that work of the Father. It's the work of the Son. You were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your feudal way of life. Inherited from your forefathers. But with precious blood. As of a lamb unblemished and spotless. The very blood of Christ. That is our motivation for what Peter describes Beginning there in verse 13, to prepare your minds for action. Well, I thought we were going to rest, you know, R&R. Well, he's got something for you to do, each one of you. He's got a plan, and he has something for you to do. So prepare your minds for action, and he'll reveal what that is. The obedience, the following him, and the way we engage those around us with the truth and the gospel of Jesus. Father in heaven, we thank you for the time we have together. It seems so short, but you've given it to us, and we value that time together of corporate worship and prayer and the reading and the study and the preaching of Scripture. And Lord, you have built us up. You have helped us tonight, and we appreciate it. Thank you, Lord. Uh, may your blessing be upon each one as we as we prepare our minds for action as we prepare to serve you more fully. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.